For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hey there, my name is Michael Stelzner, and thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast. If you're new to this podcast, this podcast is for the marketer or for the business owner who wants to know what the heck works with social media. Who doesn't want to know what really works? That's what this is all about. And I'm very excited to be coming to you today with an awesome new show. I've got a really cool tip I want to share with you. And I also have an excellent interview about Twitter with Brian Solis. Brian Solis, if you don't know him, is one of the leading authorities in the world of social media. He's an incredible thinker. He's got an amazing mind, as you will learn during today's interview. And we're going to take a look at Twitter. We're going to ask some tough questions. Does Twitter really matter anymore? How should marketers be using Twitter? So be sure to hang tight to learn a little bit more from the amazing mind of Brian. Here's a path worth treading. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. Now I'd like to share a little tip with you related to content marketing. Helping you stay alive in a social jungle, here's this week's survival tip. So if you're in the business of creating content, let's say, for example, you're maybe a blogger or you have a blog or you manage a blog, first impressions are absolutely essential. You could spend an enormous amount of hours slaving over what you think is one of the best pieces of content that you've ever created. However, if you don't do the things that I'm going to be mentioned to you in the next few minutes, that content may never see the reflection of another human being's eyes. Here's what it really comes down to. First impressions. When people actually see your content for the first time, they have hopefully been drawn in by a headline probably via some social network, and they're making a quick decision, literally in seconds, as to whether or not they're going to continue to read the content. So how can you create an opening in that content to get them to the point where they want to keep reading? Well, I'm going to give you a little clue. It's not necessarily what you think. It's about creating what appears to be highly skimmable content. What does that mean? That means that the first couple sentences in your content need to be very short and your paragraphs need to be very short. For example, let's just say you are creating a content on how to do a blog post. You might start out with, um, are you looking to create a blog that attracts lots of visitors? Question mark. Next paragraph. Are you unsure what your post should be composed of? Question mark. Next paragraph. This 
blog post will contain 16 tips to help make your life as a blogger a lot easier. Next paragraph. So what have I done here? A couple things. First of all, as I stated earlier, these are very short sentences, very short paragraphs. I've also asked questions that are designed to frame the entire article. I've also introduced what the article is going to be about. See, what happens with so many bloggers and so many people that are writing content is they just go right into it without any kind of introduction. And they build this big, what they consider an introduction, which is very wordy. But in reality, what that is, is like a big brick wall that stops people from actually consuming the rest of the content. So I hope you give it a try. If you want to see it in action, go to socialmediaexaminer.com. Take a look at any one of our blog posts. Yes, they're all written by many different authors, but they're all edited by me. I handwrite all those introductions. And the hope is when someone reads those introductions, they're going to want to stick with the article, take a break in their day that they never intended, and consume that thing, and hopefully share it. So I hope you find that tip super valuable. Now let's go ahead and transition over to my interview with my special guest, Brian Solis. To help simplify your social safari, here's this week's special guest. I am so excited to be joined today by Brian Solis, one of the smartest minds in social media, in my personal opinion. This is a guy that's always out there, always processing, always thinking, always pushing the envelope on on nearly everything related to social media. And if you don't know who he is, he's the author of two spectacular books. The first one is called The End of Business as Usual. And then his prior book is called Engage. He's also a principal analyst at the Altimeter Group. Brian, how are you doing today? Well, Michael, I'm excited to be on uh, on your show. This is, um, we go back a long way and it's always great to talk to you. Well, thank you so much for coming today. So let's focus on Twitter today. And I really want to talk about Twitter when it comes to marketing. So let me start with my first question, Brian. With so much focus in the news these days on Facebook, it seems that Twitter has kind of become in the forgotten social network. Does it really matter anymore to marketers? What's your thoughts on the state of Twitter today? Well, Twitter is is still thriving. Um, I every now and then will write a research report that sort of demonstrates its rise and just how pervasive Twitter is in in our society. But it's different, right? I don't I don't think of Twitter. Uh, as a social network, I think of it as an information network, uh, and that's it's a real big difference. It's 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 for conversations, it's for sharing information, um, it's for context, it's for content. It's a, it's just a lot of different things. In fact, I, I call it the human seismograph because at any moment you can see what has our attention. You can break that down by geography. You can break that down by interests. And so, as a tool for marketers. It's both an inbound and an outbound tool. Inbound meaning it's a wonderful way to get intelligence, uh, whether it's focus groups, whether it's insights, whether it's trends. And then you could apply those insights into developing more informed strategies uh, to reach the type of people that would move the needle for you. Now, you said there was an inbound and an outbound component to it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So the you know, when I think about inbound, I think about someone on, on my marketing team, if you will, who would be in charge of listening, but also having someone who's in charge of trend analysis. 
So, for example, I, I published a, about a year or so ago a report on how Twitter, Starbucks Twitter followers uh, engage with each other uh, around Starbucks, meaning that when they're not talking about Starbucks, when they're just talking to one another or just talking to their followers, what's, what's the most important thing to them? Uh, and you know, I learned a lot about them. You know, they had a top five group of shared interests that was just huge and it was across the millions of people who followed Starbucks and when you start to study those types of trends and what types of conversations they're having specifically and then also geographically where where are those conversations most concentrated you can start to see how it would inform a Starbucks marketing strategy both at the global and well and national and then also the local level uh, so that's that's how I think about inbound uh, and then Typically, those insights would then inform outbound engagement strategies or content strategies. You know, it's so interesting that Twitter provides its open API so people can really do really incredible analysis. Um, I do want to share some stats, talk about this for a little bit. One stat that I got off of a blog post from you uh, was there's 175 million tweets daily, which is shocking. The other stat was from a Pew Research study that said that 20% of Americans who are using the web are also using Twitter. That's a pretty big number. And here's the even shocking, more shocking part. 8% are active every single day on Twitter. So what does this tell us in your opinion? Well, it tells us that Twitter is indeed becoming um, an extension of of conversations, much the same way that text messaging has been an extension of our conversations, just like email and cell phone. Twitter is really starting to become this great public conversation that people are finding value in, right? Uh, there was, it wasn't too long ago, I think it was just a couple years ago, where one of the top Twitter searches around Twitter was, you know, <laughs> what is Twitter? Uh, and people are starting to figure it out. And it's, it's something very new. It's very dynamic. Uh, it's not for everybody. But uh, you know, on the contrary, you know, re- in the U.S. and just around the world, you know, Facebook penetration is, you know, sometimes in the 80s and, and 90 percentile of, of all Internet users. So you can start to get an idea of the difference between the two and why they could be so important to any marketer. Uh, but the way I look at it is that it's not just about the people who are talking, right? I mean, th- that stat about 175 million tweets uh, every day is one thing. It's, it's also the amount of information that people consume. So there's a lot of people who use Twitter that never say anything, but they're lurking, they're listening, they're watching, they're listening to what their friends are saying, and they're getting as much value out of it as the people who are talking. Very interesting. And we've got so much, uh, at least in America, pop culture, especially television, right, that uh, actively encourages people to tweet during live, like America's Got Talent or American Idol. It seems like the branding is is pretty hardcore for Twitter uh, when it comes to the television media. At least, do you think that's having an impact on usage as well, especially among certain demographics? Oh well, you know, Twitter. If you think about its greatest value, and I hope this doesn't sound too esoteric, but it, it is a platform for shared experiences. Um, you know, what you're eating, what you're doing, what you're witnessing. You know, that is what makes this a very human network. It makes it a very, um, a, a very engaging and interactive and, and, and live network. Uh, I, I often say that uh, over the years, news no longer breaks. It, 
it tweets, and that's because of that phenomenon that you're talking about. Now, you have to remember, though, that Twitter is still in its infancy. We have a long way to go in order for it to become part of popular culture, uh, although it's certainly well on its way. And that's not so much about the people using Twitter. It's the people affected by Twitter. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, It wasn't that long ago where broadcast networks didn't want you tweeting about their events live because that would ruin TuneIn. Uh, They wanted people to uh, just see it on the television screen, for example. Uh, And then you started to see producers and, 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 and marketing executives start to realize that, oh, wait a minute, when we use tweets to talk about uh, exciting moments, and if we can design more tweetable moments, then that means we'll probably drive tune-in because everybody will want to see what everybody's talking about. Uh, And we're all, you know, that's still an evolving thing because now what you're talking about is philosophy, culture, um, marketing strategies, you know, so people are having to learn this stuff uh, as they go. But just look at the Olympics. So there, just uh, two days ago, there was an article that showed how uh, Olympic officials were asking people to slow down on their tweets unless it was very important because their tweets were impacting the the networks. To, not, not necessarily realizing just how absurd that request sounds. And that's because they're not the ones actually using Twitter. Very interesting. And Twitter has always historically been about text. And we know a while back, Twitter decided to start adding images and also integrating video, at least into the Twitter.com interface. I'm curious what your thoughts are on this multimedia aspect and Twitter. Well, if, if, you, if we go back to the idea that Twitter is a platform for shared experiences, you know, experiences are not limited to text. Experiences are, are a, a sensation of how you sort of essentially experience the experience. So for some... Text is, is, is a natural way to just share something with, with everyone that's connected to them. Others, you know, a, visual, uh, a visualization of that moment is far more impactful, or a video. And what's nice is that there's very little crossover, um, meaning that I, I won't underappreciate how you share that moment. Chances are I'll appreciate it greater if you combine all of the above or two of the above or mix it up for me over time. And it sort of brings joy to me as a follower, which is, is something I actually want to bring up because when you, when you bring up multimedia into how people are tweeting beyond just texting, you have to remember that you as, as the person tweeting now is you're assuming the role of, of a producer or a publisher or a media outlet in, in your own right. And you have to be thoughtful and cognizant about what it is that you're creating, what it is you're sharing, what it is you're curating, because now you have an audience and you have an audience that has an audience. And if you're not engaging, uh, if you're dry, if, 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 if you're just, if you're not putting much thought or heart or soul into it, you know, you sort of get, what you deserve. People unfollow you, uh, people stop retweeting you, people stop responding. And so you have to think about, you know, what are you trying to get out of Twitter? And the more you share, uh, the more thoughtful you share, uh, the more stories you tell, you start to actually cultivate or, 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 or create this community around you that's unique to you and it's special. And by the way, it's inspiring and it, and it makes you even want, want to try things that are more fascinating and more engaging and people appreciate that you're doing that. And 
that to me is the power of Twitter because it's real time, it's um, it's sensational, it's dynamic, uh, and there is no other network out there that's like it. Brian, can you think of any businesses that are doing creative things on Twitter other than just scheduling tweets to go out, you know, at random times using like Buffer app? I mean, are there any particular businesses that you think are doing it well that others should take a look at and maybe model? Well, so I have a I have a hard time answering that question because it's sort of trying to answer that question is part of the problem with Twitter marketing in the first place. Mm. And by that, I mean, there is no one answer to that. And I get frustrated when I see, this is why I'm always pushing the boundaries. You know, when I see the top 10 ways to use Twitter for marketing, it was like, well, what, what, what do you mean Twitter for marketing? What are you trying to do with Twitter? Um, I, I can tell you that one of the companies that I worked with recently, um, I, I, mean, I better not say who it is, but I really admire their approach. Um, and that is, they had hundreds and hundreds of Twitter accounts. It's a global enterprise. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a B2B company, but it's also a B2C company. Uh, and they just realized that for the Twitterverse, the experience of this brand is horrible because there's just too many channels. No standard in, in what people are doing or saying, no standard in engagement, no training around improving the experience. And they decided to treat Twitter um, as a strategic platform play. And by that, I mean, they started with some, some serious branding questions that w- they would approach any platform with, whether it's magazine advertising, television advertising and marketing. And that is, what are we trying to do here? Right. You know, what's the story we're trying to tell? What do we want people to think about us? And then start to create a brand hierarchy, right? We have our top line brand, and this is what we want people to know about that and what we want people to feel and people to walk away with from that brand engagement. Then we have sub-brands, and those sub-brands, we have to focus. What's our business focusing on in 2012 and 2013? Okay, that comes down to six channels and then you can add a few more channels for like corporate communications uh, investor relations you know things that just have to be their own channels and then they started to look at okay within these sub brands what are the things what are the functions that the twitterverse expects they expect um, entertainment uh, they expect customer service uh, and they just expect engagement so then those sub branches have to fold under each one of those brands uh, and so what they end up starting to do is develop a strategy around each one of those initiatives that works its way from the top down and also from the bottom up. But once you follow one account, it's very clear which other accounts you would want to follow depending on what you're interested in as a consumer or as a customer. Gotcha. Brian, how are you personally using Twitter? <laughs> what I was about to say is that that to me is, is inspiring because that's how I think about Twitter from me as an individual, uh, I, I have I have two accounts. I have at Brian Solis, and then I also well, I also have three accounts. Okay, but the ones I mainly use is at Brian Solis and at Mister Solis. Um, I also have at Brian Solis TV, but I am my own community manager, so I don't have anybody doing this stuff for me. I don't right. I don't pre can tweets. I mean, I do it all live, and I do it as I can. But I use Twitter to. Listen, what are people talking about? What are, what are people frustrated with? Uh, what are they asking over and over and over again? And I use that to inspire my, my content development strategy. I use that to inspire research themes that I bring back into Altimeter Group. Mm. 
Um, I use that to uh, source topics that I can fold into my, my presentations that I give at conferences or at businesses. And uh, then I share back with everyone uh, a sense that I'm listening to you. I heard what you said. That inspired this post uh, where people who follow me, because I only have so much time, are going to just get value. You know, and the value is that this is you follow me if you're asking these questions and you actually want real answers. You also share other people's content rather regularly, right? I mean, I'm assuming you're surfing, you find something interesting, you choose to share it with your community? Absolutely. So sometimes I don't have all the time in the world to address the type of content that I'd like to, but I will find some place where it exists. And then so it's intentional. So sometimes I'll share content that I stumble on. And then sometimes I'll stay, uh, intentionally go out and try to find content that addresses somebody's needs and share it with the greater audience. Uh, one thing I'd like to point out is that I had learned over the years that t- Twitter, one of, the, one of the most powerful things that I think marketers need to start thinking about in terms of Twitter is this idea of resonance. Uh, marketers tend to look at followers. They tend to look at retweets or tweets um, or how many followers a follower <laughs> has so that they can look at reach. But I think resonance is far more powerful. And so when I design content or if I design marketing strategies, I, I, I look at how long would that particular tweet or that particular social object stay alive in the Twitter stream? Uh, the, best, the best conversations around a particular topic might last an hour before they completely fizzle out. Most don't even make it six, seven minutes before they're just gone. Wow. But when you start designing with resonance in mind, um, you really you really start to have a greater impact and people start to really follow you uh, or or, or whether they know it or not, just get accustomed to following you because they know when you say something or you share something, it's going to be really helpful, profound, entertainment, funny, whatever your mission is. And you do those things that sort of reinforce that behavior. Uh, and so that's about three, I think about three and a half years ago, I started a secondary account called Mr. Solis. Um, and that was an experiment in resonance. So meaning if I regularly publish value through one channel and I also regularly have conversations using the same Twitter account, does it affect my ability to resonate? Mm. I had learned in my case it did because people were getting used to seeing me in the stream. Okay, wow, he just shared something uh, and oh, he's also talking to these 12 people. Oh, and he's also part of this Twitter chat. Uh, And I realized that I needed an account where I could actually have as many conversations as I want in, in, in a particular day, but use the main account for strategic engagement to show that it's a human being, uh, but also to apply those, those experiments with resonance. And uh, the, the, the results are pretty profound. It's not doesn't work for everybody, but the, the, the example I shared before about having specific channel strategies um, and intentions works across the board. Well, Brian, you provided some really outstanding insight into Twitter and your personal strategy. If folks want to learn more about you and learn more about some of the things that you've been talking about today, where might you send them? Well, I would send them, I guess, since we're talking about Twitter to at Brian Solis, but also um, I, I have a deeper uh, home to share all of these insights, you know, 500, 600 words, a thousand words, more than 140 characters at briansolis.com. 
Brian, thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy day today. I really appreciate it. Any, any, anything for you, my friend. Well, folks, that brings us to the end of another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and you are listening to an interview with Brian Solis. Be sure to check out his website at briansolis.com, S-O-L-I-S.com. By the way, if you like what you've heard on this podcast, would you do me a huge favor? Please go over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating. That'll help us, and write your review too. That'll help other people discover our podcast. As you know, we're relatively new. And also be sure to download the podcast app and definitely subscribe to our show so you don't miss anything. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.